Welcome, friends. On behalf of the Presbyterio San Fernando, I am delighted to have you as part of our regular conversations. Our Presbytery is a community of churches and ministries that is seeking to be part of Christ's mission with faithfulness, joy, humility, and courage in the northwest part of the Los Angeles area and beyond. I hope that you enjoy this dialogue. And please feel free to learn more about us by visiting our website at sfpresby.org. Thank you so much for listening. Well, I want to welcome everybody. Welcome to the virtual meetup for August 3rd of 2020. This is our 20th webinar as PSF Strategy, uh, which is committed to providing you with content you need as we continue in this very, very challenging time. Again, my name is Randy Lovejoy. I'm the Associate for Strategic Ministry, and my job at the Presbytery since mid-2018 has been to uh, assist uh, and facilitate the strategic direction of the Presbytery that we voted to accept unanimously uh, in that same year of 2019. Now, with COVID and racial justice issues and uh, the elections on the horizon, we're having to adapt the strategy as all of us are having to adapt our lives in, in, in a lot of ways, one of them being, for example, this, uh, this virtual meetup. But we're, uh, we're still convinced that the strategy of our presbytery is sound and that we just need to go at it at some different, uh, in some different kinds of ways. But if, if the external to our presbytery kind of changes aren't enough, uh, the presbytery itself is transitioning in terms of its leadership as, as our longtime leader, Ken Baker, has retired and now our new executive presbyter, Juan Sarmiento, is just beginning to take over the reins of the presbytery. So what that means is that we have a real opportunity right now. We have an opportunity in this transitional time to take some time to remember all that we've done together under Ken Baker's leadership as we work to move forward under Juan's leadership in this uh, rapidly changing time in which we find ourselves. So for the next three weeks in the virtual meetups, we're going to uh, have a, a real focus in this direction of remembering some of the key things that we've done in the past, uh, two organizations in particular, that have incubated under Ken Baker uh, are going to be a focus of some upcoming webinars. And, and also we're gonna have an opportunity to, to interview Juan Sarmiento in the next few weeks as well to get to know him uh, a bit better. Um, so one of the things that makes the Presbytery of San Fernando so unusual among presbyteries in our denomination is that we've been an incubator for two organizations whose reach now goes far beyond our presbytery. And, and that incubator term, if you're not familiar with that, is a term that's often used in business uh, when one organization is birthed out of another. And we've done this twice with Cyclical and with Bridges. And today I am excited uh, to share how Bridges uh, has been uh, incubated in the presbytery, uh, how uh, Bridges continues to be an important part of our presbytery's ministry, and what we see as we look out into the future. So you saw the video at the beginning of our time that we just watched. You heard things like uh, in this divided community in which we find ourselves. You heard a phrase that stood out to me like cross-cultural skills uh, for life in the U.S. And, uh, 
And these are the kinds of things we're going to start talking about because this is what Bridges is really, really good at. So take a moment, as is our tradition, and uh, go on and introduce yourself in the chat bar. Uh, and uh, as you're going chat, introducing yourself in the chat bar, there's a question that Jim and I, as we talk together, we'd love to hear your answer to. One of the things, um, so, so let me try to just, just spell that out. Think of the leadership in your church, and as you're thinking about them, what would they say is the biggest need, the, the biggest problem to be solved? As Jim called it, what's the, the itch that needs to be scratched in your congregation? So tell us your name and tell us in a word or a phrase, what would the leadership in your church say is the biggest itch in your congreg congregation? And we'll share that with the group as a whole as we go on. But go on and uh, go on and use the chat bar uh, for that uh, at this point, and uh, and we'll keep going from there. Now today I'm excited to share Bridges with you and to uh, introduce three key people in the Bridges ministry. The first person that we are going to talk with is somebody that was uh, was prominent uh, was was prominent in that. Um, that video as well. And so let me just screen share with you and we'll move to the next video here, or next slide, is Jim Milley. Now, Jim Milley has lived five years as a Presbyterian missionary in Ethiopia. And then after two years in the PCUSA national offices in Louisville, Jim served, uh, at, I think it was 10 years, yeah, 10 years as an associate pastor at a church in our presbytery and now, uh, now Jim leads, uh, leads us uh, with uh, this ministry of Bridges. So, uh, Jim, I uh, just want to take a minute and welcome you. Thanks, Randy. Great to be here. Been uh, participating with you in different Mondays and really glad to, to be here to chat some. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to, to, this, con uh, to this conversation and, uh, and seeing uh, what we're going to come up with. We've already gotten a couple of things. Joyce Osborne has said that the itch is the need for age diversity. Uh, so that's an interesting one we can keep in our, in our hats as we talk together. And Bob Cox from LCPC said making disciples in a seven mile radius of the church. So those are, I know a couple of things we can work with uh, as we as we talk together. Now, uh, we have a couple other bridge leaders that are able to join uh, with us at this time, and just so glad that they're willing to be here with us and a part of this con con conversation. Again, I'm going to share here, and, uh, and let's start with Harris Martin. Uh, Harris is a singer-songwriter who led the Worship for Bridges uh, three-day training events, He's the director of an exercise gym in the San Fernando Valley and doing discipleship outside the walls of the church as part of his everyday life. We're going to get to hear more about that story as we talk together. But for now, uh, Harris, uh, great to meet you. Awesome. Very nice to meet you guys as well. Yeah, really good to have you. Really good to have you. And we've got one other person. I mean, man, we have got awesome people to talk to uh, today. I'm really looking forward to it. So one other bridge leader is going to join us. And uh, let me screen share again, and we'll, uh, we'll uh, introduce, uh, introduce him. Um, and that is Mike Eschete. And Mike Eschete works with Bridges as an intern from Fuller Seminary. And Mike is starting relationships with people who are homeless 
and worships with them in a park in Pasadena. So Mike, uh, welcome to you. Great to have you with us as well. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks. Oh, totally. Totally. Uh, let's see if we've got any more uh, response here in the chat bar. Dave Peterman from Granada Hills, and uh, he's got this in caps, so I am sure he's emphasizing this one. Making disciples is an essential uh, thing that Granada Hills is trying to uh, work on and figure out as well. So, Jim, I, I'd say they've set you up pretty oh, darn yeah. well for the conversation with those responses. So here's how we're going to kind of organize the time. Uh, in, and it's, we're going to focus on three things uh, in this particular order. So the first thing we're going to focus on is how the idea of Bridges became a reality through the Presbytery of San Fernando. So I'll be talking with Jim about that part of the story for a little bit. But then we're going to quickly shift over to Bridges' contribution to the ministry of the Presbytery as a whole. And that's where we're going to get to learn more about Mike and about Harris. And Jim's also going to tell us about another bridge leader named Donna. We'll get to meet her as well. And then after we have that conversation, we're going to kind of end our time together talking about the future for Bridges and for the Presbytery of San Fernando. In particular, we're going to talk about a, a great document that Bridges has put together called Partnering with Your Congregation. And it's, it's just got some real good specifics for us as take home. So, so those are the, those are kind of the, the uh, three areas we're going to cover in our time together today. So why don't we just jump right in to the idea becomes a reality and have a little bit of a conversation uh, about that, Jim. So um, you mentioned in the video uh, this man named Asafa while in Ethiopia mm -hmm. and, uh, and the impact that he had on you. And then we kind of fast forward uh, uh, 10 years, is it, from, from kind of there and and then um, you, uh, you are uh, working in the presbytery. You've got this idea of something that you saw going on in Ethiopia that's like, why isn't that happening here in the US? Um, and, and so here's the thing though, how did you get the presbytery to listen to this idea? Well, I, I think the presbytery was really forward thinking. You know, uh, one of the things I did was interview a lot of our past church planners. When, when I came, Jerry North said, hey, Jim, okay, you've seen this church in Ethiopia grow from 1 million to 2 million people in five years. And, you know, I had seen that, and it wasn't because they had so many pastors. You know, it was all these lay people doing really basic things that aren't that hard, but they just did them. And like Asifa did them. And, well, and you were saying in the video that if you look at where we are today in, say, our presbytery, if we're counting on just the pastors doing the work, that mm -hmm. we've already kind of, that, that equation just doesn't add up. But then right. part of what you're talking about is let's get back to something that Presbyterians have talked about for a while, uh, which is the priesthood of all believers. But I don't think we really implemented it very well over the last number of centuries. So, so keep going. Yeah. So. Well, you know, it's really hard because we're really, really busy. You know, yeah. people, our lives are full. I mean, the pandemic is stressing us out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we don't need is another program. You know, we don't need to commit another four hours at the church on top of everything we're doing. Uh, one of the things that convinced me to, that we, I really needed to focus on bridges 
was there was a woman at La Cunata Presbyterian Church who gave her life to Christ, began to follow Jesus. She actually walked into my office and she said, you know, here's Dave Peterson says, you know, making disciples. She said, I want to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. Can you help me? And I knew that that meant meeting regularly and helping her learn how to connect with God, to talk with God, listen to God, hear God in scripture, hear God through other people and the power of the Holy Spirit for a strong Christian life. And I knew that wasn't for me a man. I knew I needed a woman of the church to spend time with this woman. So I got on the phone and I started calling some of the great, amazing women of the church. And one after the other, it was, I would love to do that. But you know, I'm an elder right now and we are just so busy. And, but I'm a deacon, but I'm, I'm on the pastoral search nominating committee. You know, it's, it was like, I couldn't get anybody to say yes, even though this woman was standing right in front of me. And, and I realized somehow we have to train our people. It wasn't all these people wanted to do it. It just wasn't a part of their rhythm. Yeah. And I realized that we needed to help people with their rhythm. And, and, and you know, you really raise an issue that's, that's essential to me, the work I've been doing and try to help churches redevelop to the ministry context they're in. But one of the big problems is everybody's plate's already full and their church commitment plate is already full because yes. they're sitting through lots of meetings and yes. they're having to deal with buildings that are in disrepair and they're having mm -hmm. to manage tenants in their buildings that are helping them have money to keep their buildings. And all of this is, is important time. It, it takes time. It, it's not easy work. And, and, and yet, you go back to the book of order and what elders are supposed to be about. And, and, and it's, it's much more related to the kinds of things you're talking about. But it's mm -hmm. just, there, so there's this huge tension that we have with our institutions and with the call that we have from Christ. And, and I think those phone calls are exactly it. These are good hearted people who want to do that, but they've also got a life, a family, maybe a career themselves, and they're committed to being leaders in the church, which means they've got to be in these meetings. So I can't disciple somebody, but that, that, that's a challenge. So, so now how did, you know, what I've heard is that, that this, this Friar Street sale, one of our congregations in Van Nuys that closed and the building was sold, now, hey, and I want to I want to connect Juan into that. You know, yeah. Juan was one of the people I interviewed when I looked at the history of what we've done in church planning. Okay, in our presbytery, he was at yeah. Centro Cristiano in Rocco de Salvation, and he was the second pastor. But you know, we were again, we were focused on. You know, how do we get Juan to go lead the church? and grow the church. And the pattern I found was that we would hire people to go start churches and we wanted to be helpful, but we really didn't have time. So it was like we gave them the money and sent them off and they just felt so alone. And when they had a problem is when we got involved. Um, and then it was too late. Uh, mm -hmm. So we are in this pattern that I'm glad that, uh, you know, now we are, by having structures like bridges and cyclical, you have people that have time to go be involved, right? 
but uh, but it's interesting that Juan's coming back now as our EP, and he knows the history of what we've been through and what we've tried. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and and so I think you know a couple of things just in terms of how Bridges was able to start. One is like you said, there was an openness to innovation in the yeah. presbytery. And yes. that's something that Ken kept open during his time there. But yes. we do need to give a, a shout out to Jerry North, who was the EP before Ken, because yes. from that Van Nuys sale, he made it clear, uh, right? I mean, I got this secondhand, but it sounds like you were a little more in on it. But he made it clear that those funds need to go to new initiatives, not to supporting existing things, but to really go out to new initiatives. And mm -hmm. that became a critical part of how the Presbytery was able to fund uh, bridges and help it get started. Is that right? Yes. And the thing is, what we found out is we already had lay people who wanted to do this. See, we might not have noticed them, but when you, like Donna Landon at, you know, at First Presbyterian Church Granada Hills, she had a ministry called Body and Brain that involved like a yoga kind of ministry where people were coming to her class in, in the building of the church and also outside of the church, she had a class and she was building all these relationships and, you know, but there weren't any disciples being made, you know, her, cause you know, she felt kind of alone, you know, it, it, uh, it wasn't directly related to Sunday morning for the church and she really didn't have any training. She didn't have a mentor. She didn't have a coach. She didn't have a support group. She wasn't assessing. She, nobody was helping her make goals for each year. Yep. And uh, one of the exciting things for me that happened is Donna realized that instead of dreaming of more and more of these groups of like hundreds of people, she was able to start focusing on who are the three or four people who want to spend time with me. And so that question on how do we make disciples for Donna, she had to switch from this vision of lots and lots of people and lots and lots of groups, which her mother died about that time. And it was like, you know, that's a great big vision, but that's exhausting again, right? Too much, too many things, too much coordination. Now, but three or four people that want to spend time with her, she can do that. And so now she has Tatiana, who's an immigrant from Russia, uh, Claudine, who's an immigrant from France. She has an Armenian woman, uh, Karine, and she's connected with all these women. And you, you see how they're from different cultures? Yeah, yeah. And built these wonderful relationships and Tatiana ended up with a brain, brain tumor. And the pastors of the church visited her in the hospital. And you know, love is love. And she started going to the church. So, and, and that's part of this. Donna was going to one of the churches in our presbytery. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm taking it that she wasn't in one of the leadership positions in the church, but was a regular attender and a part of the church. You right? know what? She, she was in the leadership positions of the church. She had been a part of the deacons. She was an elder. And her family had been a part of the church for generations. I mean, she was like second or third generation uh, member. And, you know, the, I think... Uh, 
Well, I mean, I think the, the point I was trying to make, though, is that she wasn't weighed down at that time by the responsibilities of leadership in that particular church. And on top of that, if I'm hearing you right, she had her job already. I mean, that's what she was doing as her job. And then what, what happened was Bridges was able to come alongside her as she was doing this work and yeah. to help her with training, coaching, and support so that she could transform this solely business deal into some relationships that are discipleship relationships. And then the effect of that was that the church that she attended then built a relationship with one of the women and was able to provide care over time as well. And then that woman joined that local church. I'm just trying to map it out for people. So they get yes. this sense of, again, it was because Bridges existed and Bridges had time to actually mm -hmm. invest in her in the work she was already engaged in that actually resulted in bearing fruit for the church in the long term. But you, you have to have a longer term view of this thing uh, for this to work out. Is that right? Was, am, I, am I tracking it correctly? Yes, yes, definitely. A longer term view. And, and that's the key. Bridges didn't come along and say, now, Donna, you have to add this or do this other thing. No, it's what she was already doing. And actually, what we helped her do is narrow, meaning, and, you know, it's tempting, it's tempting to say, well, I'm only going to do this. I'm going to stop being an elder at the church. She never stopped. We encourage her to keep the connection with the church. Sure, sure. Because the, the ministry is not just to the people outside of the church. Okay. The ministry is also the people in the church. Because well, and let me give you, there's an example in our chat bar of that, because Joyce yeah. just shared, she said, as an elderly woman in the church, I would feel uncomfortable telling someone else what to believe and how to reach God. I mm. have my way, but I'm not sure it would work for anyone else. And, and what you're yes. saying is Donna and people like Donna could actually help Joyce begin to think that through and work that through and Bridges could come alongside her and help her discern and follow God's lead and, and figure out what it is that God wants her to do in that regard. Is that right? Is that what Bridges? Yeah. Could do? And, and Joyce, I would say we love that posture because what you're doing is instead of telling the other person what they should or shouldn't believe, you're finding out what do you believe and how, how does that work for you? And how do you see God in your life? Mm -hmm. And tell me a story. And you build a genuine friendship where they're sharing spiritually with you. And see, God is the evangelist. You know, the Holy Spirit is working. And the Holy Spirit brings things up. You know, yeah. Tatiana got a brain tumor. Devastating. I mean, and then it's love, you know, it's, it's friendship, it's togetherness. It's not, you know, God is at work in the world and we don't have to go out and twist anybody's arm. Well, and, and I mean, that's, that's part of it, isn't it? We kind of feel like, well, if I'm going to be serious about this with people I know uh, out in my everyday life, my rhythm of life, then I have to... I have all these goals for them. I have to tell them about Jesus. I have to get them to come to the church. I have to get them to do X, Y, and Z. And then we kind of back off on that. But what you're saying is that that's not the posture 
that we need to take it all. It's instead to have a greater understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in those relationships we have with people and trust mm -hmm. God by loving on them, talking with them, taking it step by step. So if I'm right on that, Jim, then you're, what you're saying is, is that the type of ministry um, that I saw in the Wittenberg door once, uh, they, they would give, uh, that was a magazine some of you may know of where, where they would uh, gently and sometimes not so gently make fun of cultural Christianity for Christians so that you kind of realize, well, they gave out these green weenie awards, they called it, to the, the, what they said the worst Jesus junk that they could find at the time. And they found trash bags with John 316 printed on them so that every trash day would be a gospel day because you'd be setting your trash out. The, the, uh, the people that are collecting trash or looking at your trash would read John 316 and something might happen. And, and, and I tell it as kind of a joke, but the point is that's kind of this approach like we've got to get it out there so that people will see which is an anxious kind of approach to ministry and discipleship. But what I hear you saying is that it's more about getting out there, being in relationship, loving on people as the person that you are and trusting that God's going to work through that to move both of you together uh, in your spiritual journey. Is that, is it, am I on track yeah, with that? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what we say is the first question you ask is not what am I supposed to do or what am I supposed to say? Yeah. The first question is, whom, oh God, are you calling me to love and serve? Yeah, right. Who? 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 It's yeah. who. You know, who and, do you and want why to... don't we, since, since, uh, since Harris and Mike have been uh, so patient with us, uh, why don't we actually get them in on the conversation at this point? But as I do, just want to remind everybody, you can use the chat bar or use the Q&A that's at the bottom uh, of this webinar uh, window that you have. Uh, to go on and put in any questions you might have for any of us. We'll get to them uh, in just a little bit, but go on and you can put your questions up there now and they'll sit there until we're ready to answer. So feel free to do that as we go. So let me, let me do a little more introduction, uh, uh, both with, uh, with Mike and with Harris and kind of get their stories. Now, uh, Mike, um, uh, you are... Donna's kind of like one way that Bridges can connect with the Presbytery, right? Because it's, it's like somebody in the church, Bridges comes alongside, they follow, then they have an impact on that congregation. But when we're looking at Mike and, and at Harris, we're talking about some other ways that Bridges is actually having an impact uh, in terms of its ministry and in terms of the Presbytery. So Mike, the first thing I want to hear from you is how did you meet Jim? Uh, yeah, even that is a Bridges story by itself, because yeah. uh, Jim was having a, a meal at the cafe at Fuller, and uh, it so happens serendipitously, I don't think this is chance occurrence, he sees me outside, maybe 30 yard, yards away, and for some odd reason, I s chose to greet this guy that I know, and told him this is an Ethiopian way of doing things, and like a soft shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder bump, and Jim saw, Jim saw that from, from afar, and walked into the library, which was another maybe like 20 yards away, and someone came behind me and said hi, and asked me if I was Ethiopian, and started speaking my language, and that person is Jim Milley. That's our first, and I was shocked. I was shocked. He speaks the language very well. If not the accent, the diction, the grammatical structure, and what else, he has it down to a T. So I'm like, I'm just watching, I'm looking at him. Yes, you know, shocked. 
So you so didn't think he was Ethiopian at first, is that right? <laughs> he's, he's sound, his greeting sounded like it, but... Oh, that's right, it's like, what's going on? Like, no, no. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome, look, that's, that's awesome. To me. So and now it, how... Yeah. Oh, sorry, keep going, please. Yeah, and then he uh, offered uh, for us to meet uh, over lunch and coffee, and me being from Ethiopia, he knows uh, birthplace of coffee, I'm not gonna say no to that, so we met, and, and there were, yeah, during that meeting, I figured what Bridges, what he does, what Bridges is about. And I, hold, I had my own burden, which I can talk about since the first day I came here in terms of ministry. It just so happens uh, that uh, Bridges could help me figure that out. Okay. okay. To be... I mean, I, yeah, go on and tell us the, the burden that you had in ministry and, and, and we can talk about how Bridges helped you with that. Uh, yeah, well, what happened was I came here on the 22nd of September, last September from Ethiopia. And after a brief conversation with my roommate, I decided to, I felt prompted to walk around, to walk about town. So uh, at the time, I didn't yet have a SIM card in my phone, no local service. So I had to be very careful in navigating, uh, looking at all uh, landmarks and all counting my turns and whatnot. But my mind was focused on the people out sea. And maybe uh, in the second or third uh, block from my house, I saw a man uh, reclined on a bench with a couple of bags next to him, and my heart was torn to pieces. Now, I came from Addis Ababa, Jim knows this, and Jim knows this, and homelessness is uh, not too much of a big deal. I tried to be involved as much as possible in terms of helping. You even have street ch children on the streets. We don't call them street children, but children who end up coming from different parts of the, the country and, and uh, being on the streets. and and, but for some odd reason, what I was feeling at that time was worse than what I ever felt before then. So I even had to stay for a while. The guy is gazing uh, at the building across the street. I couldn't go past him. And I kept walking and praying because uh, I, was, I was disturbed. I would say kind of like Paul was as he was walking, the Apostle Paul was as he was walking through the city, the city of Athens. And, and then I saw a couple of young women uh, in dingy clothing and sitting by a church, uh, by a church staircase and smoking with a trolley full of miscellaneous items in there in front of them. And I just, I was just disturbed. I made, I made uh, my round around um, Pasadena. That's where I live. And on the way back, I uh, went into my room. This thing was heavy burden on me. And uh, the next week was orientation week, which kept me quite busy from basically from dusk till dawn. So uh, from the dawn to the, from the sun up to sundown. So I was, I was okay for a week. Then classes started and I had to go through a route where I would see more and more people with uh, yeah, sheltering needs and insecurity. And this has been going on for a few months. I was praying about it, didn't know what to do about it. I knew. Uh, God wanted me to be involved in one way or another, uh, and and I did not know where to go about that. And after we, I met with Jim, went home and checked what Bridge was about, and he was also encouraging me that I should seek to find a way to be involved, and uh, use the opportunity also to use it as internship uh, with Fuller officially. And it all just so happened; it could we found out it could be done. So right now, um, in, uh, I also, through Jim, I meet a, a couple who run a church. Who be, they've been doing this for 15 years, involved with the homeless community here in Pasadena. So I joined their team. I'm working with them, and I'm also reaching out 
and forming relationships. And it's not easy because we were, we, we're talking about people uh, who have uh, fractured relationships in so many with God, with themselves, with society, and even with government because of uh, legal problems in the past and what have you. So building trust is not easy. Yeah. But I've been doing it by the grace of God. I'm walking that path and Bridges has been alone. I mean, I'm just saying that's the story itself tells you that's what Bridges does. He came across, ran around into the library and hey, here we are. Mm-hmm. Here we are working for the, for the kingdom of God and edification of others together. We got an interesting question that came up as you were sharing. I think this would be a good point, uh, place to, to bring that up. Um, it's, it says, Mike, um, do you feel pushed or pulled to do your ministry? It's kind of an interesting question. What would you say? Uh, to be honest, it's, it's a wonderful question. Uh, to be honest, I believe, I'm a firm believer that we, if we give it time and find out what God puts in our heart, each of us are called to a ministry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't feel comfortable with it because we have... Uh, this is also somewhat true to my tradition. Like Jim was saying earlier, uh, most of, especially more, even more than the church I was involved in, my local church back home, uh, because of what happened in the past, because there was a, a, a communist regime government that actually forced the church to go underground. They went into the thousands, came out in millions. Everyone was a minister. If you to be a pastor meant to be persecuted, so nobody took those positions. Only those who had the calling and ready for were ready for to be persecuted and to uh, even killed took it up. Yeah. So people were so happy to 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 be involved in 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 in, in community. And uh, apparently, when you get persecuted, the core kind of gets strengthened, and and you have this nucleus that shows the community and what it means to be a community in Christ. So people were attracted to it, to the light, basically. Mm-hmm. But as once well, freedom, religious freedom was attained about 30 years ago, and later on, the past few years, there come the sort of thinking we have here in the West. There's professional Christians who are supposed to serve and minister, and there's other Christians who are just congregants, which is, in my opinion, completely, completely not the way the Bible has it shaped up. Sorry, we can go back to that. No, that's So... Once that kind of started to happen, people are not as involved as they should be. They still are because of the strong tradition we have. But, and, and, but one of the things they do, we end up doing is, even though we know deep down that God is calling us to a certain group of people in a certain way. Now, they are, I'm not saying everyone go out there and proclaim the word in public, but we are called to form relationships. The call is to be light, to be salt. So how do we do that? We have, we have our own pockets in society, our own communities. Mm-hmm. And we don't lord it over people or we don't burden them with anything like from, from top. If we can form relationships, people will see it. Believe me, they will see it. That's what happened in the past. This is the story of uh, the history of the church. So I might push door pulled. What, I'm, what I can say is I knew deep down since the day I, since the day I came to Christ or, or recognized the lordship of Christ that there will be something because I, I kind of like grew up in the church as well early on, I knew there was something God wanted to do in my life, but did I know what it was? Not from the get-go. I just followed and listened, uh, you know, internally listened to myself. Now, Harris, as, as Mike was talking about the key with relationships, as, as I talked to Jim a little bit about you, it seems like you've really figured out a skill of how to build those kind of relationships uh, with people and have a, a ministry that, 
may not be like an official, you know, here's an official ministry of a church or something, but it's, it's just part of your life. Is, is that right now? I mean, where do you work and how have you developed those relationships? Yeah, definitely. So I work at a gym. I'm a director of a gym here. I'm very close to my home here in Chatsworth. Okay. And it's funny because I never realized what I was actually doing until Jim came around and pointed it out to me. And it's like, oh, maybe I am making disciples. But and that's how the whole, it's funny. Um, just by me, just connecting with some of the men, you know, at my gym. And um, I'm a part of a church here in the Valley as well in Granada Hills. And so love the church, amazing church. Um, we have a men's ministry and the beginning of last year, I made it a commitment. I, you know, I said, all right, I'm going to be a part of this men's ministry because it was in my calendar an entire year before that to, you know, do the men's ministry. They do um, 7 a.m. meetings on a Saturday of all days on a Saturday. <laughs> so I went, I promise you, an entire year, never went to a meeting, but told myself every Friday night, I'm going to wake up and go. Entire year, never went. <laughs> and um, the next, you know, year, I actually, I got involved, you know, like the second weekend in January when I was back in town I got involved and um I just started I didn't even realize what I was doing but I realized you know I was forming you know relationships with these um with these you know um men at church and I you know started forming these relationships with these you know men at my gym and it was just like hey how about we just all hang out together and so it was kind of like you know we would go on these um hikes and stuff you know on a Saturday morning with with my church friends. And then I started to invite my gym friends and everything just started to like, like to just intermingle. And it was really weird. But as all that was happening, you know, my gym friends became a part of my church friends, you know, because they started coming to church and actually giving their lives to Christ and things. And it was just like, what is going on? But I didn't realize the what is going on part until Jim, I explained the story to Jim and he's like, well, how many men, you know, did you invite out? I was like, maybe it's been a good 11 now, you know, like 11 men. And he's, you know, just like blown away or whatever, but. That's I just a good number as far as the Bible goes too. I, I like no. that. <laughs> no, tell me more. Get us out of the whole picture. That's good. Yeah. Just stick with 11. Don't do 12. 12 <laughs> is trouble. But. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> but yeah, and I didn't even, um, I didn't make that connection, you know, until Jim actually pointed it out until I started telling the story to Jim and he pointed it out to me, but. That's yeah. so cool. So it sounds like you're just kind of a natural at this stuff and just didn't identify it, which is really awesome because that's, yeah. again, you know, one of the ways that Bridges can help the presbytery is to connect with people like you, Harris, that it's just, well, this is what you naturally do. Yeah. And, and because there are a lot of us who, you know, a lot of people in at least Presbyterian churches that kind of see discipleship as this thing that you need to at least get some kind of qualifications for or go to some kind of program for or be trained in some way because otherwise how do you do that and and so i'm interested uh jim and harris one of the questions that we've gotten is a question which is uh how do you define making a disciple for christ is it the old-fashioned conversion and salvation approach is there some other approach so i may all three of you but give us a definition of how do you define discipleship? What does it mean to make disciples for Christ in your own yeah. life and your own experience? I'm ready for this, Randy. I'm Go, ready. Jim. Rock okay. it, man. Because this is a very, very important question. If, if you define, there's lots of ways to define discipleship and there's lots of good ways to define it. But 
for our congregations and for our lives, we need a way to know that we're doing the right thing. Jesus said, go and make disciples. What's it mean, right? How do we know we're heading in the right direction? Yeah. I just put my hands up and I say, to make a disciple means someone that isn't a part of church culture, right? That didn't grow up in the church, that it's new for them. It's to help them connect with God. You know, you put your hands up, I'm connecting with God. Now, how do I connect with God? How do I help someone else connect with God? Four ways, listening to God, talking to God, hearing God in scripture, hearing God through other people. The thumb in the power of the Holy Spirit makes a powerful Christian life. And when to be a disciple means to follow Jesus. So we make disciples. You help someone else to connect with God in those four ways. Now you have a strong Christian community, right? You're not alone. So it, it's really very simple. Like you're just helping someone relationally connect with God so that they could hear God say, this is who you're called to love and serve. So, so they I can mean, answer the question. It is, Harris, is that the kind of stuff that Jim kind of brought to you that helped you be like, oh yeah, that's what's going on here? Yeah, definitely. And I, um, to respond to Joyce's question, I mean, the way she says she, you know, she has her way, you know, but she's not sure if it worked for anyone else. I think that's perfect. <laughs> I honestly think that's, um, that's what Bridges is all about. Like, yeah, you have your way. Um, hopefully your way is unconventional. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, everyone has their way, your way, it, your way may be someone else's way. Your way may be the only way that someone else could actually connect to God. And I mean, my way, I didn't even know my way was a way, you know? But right. <laughs> Wait, we lost you there just for a second. You froze just a little bit. So can you say the last couple of sentences that you said there, Harris? Yeah. Oh, uh, wait, I think, yeah, your Wi-Fi is struggling just a little bit right there. Um, so we didn't quite. But, you know, um, whatever, you know, your way just makes it didn't even, is it? Oh, no. Is it? I have all my bars here. So I'm not sure what's going on. Now. Are we good okay. yet? Yeah, you're good now. Okay, cool. That's, that's Satan, I'm telling you. All right, so I said <laughs> my way, I didn't even know my way was a way, you know, and maybe, um, your way may be the only way that someone could actually connect to God. And so I, I didn't even know my way was a way. And it was me, you know, bringing those men, you know, to church. And then, you know, we actually, I mean, they found Christ through, you know, our initial relationship and, you know, through the late, through the other relationships they built through other people, God could just be setting you up to, you know, send them over to someone else, but you just, yeah. it's your way. Like, so, so what would you encourage Joyce? Like what's, a next, what's a next step she could take then, given given what you're saying? What what should she do with the relationship she has? What's his next yeah, step? Yeah, I mean, define it. I mean, now that you know, I mean, like, you know what your way is. You said, you know, I have my way. Um, if, she, if you do have your way, define it. Like, mm -hmm. define it and say, you know, this is what I do or whatever. Um, you wouldn't feel comfortable doing someone else's way. Then do it your way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just, I so, think it's all yeah. about defining it first. Like, okay. definitely define it. Okay. 
So, so now, Jim, tell me if I'm, I'm misstating this, but, but so, for example, uh, one of the ways that, that um, you know, Harris could, could help people um, mm-hmm. in, the ch- in the churches with this thing is, is number one, just to uh, listen like what he's saying right now. I mean, just some very real stuff about, hey, just go do it. Um, another thing you mentioned in our conversation is that uh, there may be some people in the community around the church or Joyce or whoever is thinking this, that they should connect with and find out what they're up to. And you may even find somebody else that's maybe not working at a gym, but they're working somewhere else and they've got this natural ability to make those connections and you can come alongside them and learn from them. But it's about getting out there, right? Yeah, one of the reasons I asked Harris to be here for you to meet today is because it was, He's the one I met, meaning there's somebody like Harris around your congregation and who's already out there. God's already working through the Harris near your congregation. And the way Harris and I met, we needed a singer for the worship of our conference. And somebody gave me his name and said, call Harris. So I called him and we even had a little cultural like a cultural misstep in our communication when we were, when we were uh, scheduling you, right? But I knew enough cultural skill to understand that our misstep was cultural and I was able to just go around it and we still had Harris at our, at our thing, right? We had a great time. And we were singing that You Are You, right? Harris, everybody, he's on, he's on Spotify, look him up. And uh, he's got a song, You Are You. It's fantastic. I wake up in the morning, I play You Are You. And everybody and, uh, listen to his music. Listen yeah. to his music, right? So, so, <laughs> so I meet Harris, right? Now I'm playing, You Are. I'm waking up in the morning, I'm listening to Harris sing You Are You. Because it encourages my heart and it like gets me going for the day. Yeah. And I have the sense, Bridges has about $20,000 worth of video equipment. And... Most of the time, one of our bridge leaders uses it for Hollywood actors to come and practice acting, okay? But, but they had shut down for a couple of months. And while I'm listening to Harris, I sense God telling me, you ought to call Harris and offer him the equipment. This is just out of the blue. You know, I, I hadn't thought of this before. I just considered a nudge. I don't know if Harris even wants the equipment. So I call him, I say, hey, by any chance, would you like to use $20,000 worth of video equipment? He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> so, so I go and drop it off and we just begin a little relationship and see all he did was lead worship. I thought he was just a worship singer who really, I didn't know he had the skill of engaging people in, their, in his everyday life and helping them connect with God. But then I sit down with them and we go have a lunch together and he's telling me this stuff. I just can't believe it that he's doing this stuff. Right. And so all of a sudden I meet Harris, like, and I've, I get it that he's doing this. Right. And he hasn't told you he's in a PhD program to become a physical therapist. Awesome. You know, so he's a musician. He's in a PhD program. He's got one year left. He's starting in September. You know, he, he runs this exercise gym. You know, I'm just like, look at this guy. And, and uh, you know, so like God 
I think God showed me Harris. Yeah. Right. And said, wow, see what I'm doing through my servant Harris. Yeah. And what, you know, be amazed. And I wanted all of you out there to know that there's people in your neighborhood that if you'll pay attention, maybe God will show you his servant Harris. You know, and, and, and that's the deal is a lot of times when our churches are struggling, particularly, we tend to focus inwardly. Where are the resources? God, we've got to get this done. How do we do this in our session meeting? But one of the things I'm hearing from you and about Bridges is look outside of the church. Look into the community. Build those relationships. See what God's doing in the community because that may be some of the folks that will bring answers to the questions that you're asking. And if you just stay inside you're not going to get there. Now, now, Mike, just time-wise, I'm, I'm just trying to make, we got a couple of awesome questions. I want to make sure we get yeah, there. Sure. So, Mike, here's one for you from John Bullock. He says, um, he says uh, do you differentiate between those that are on the street and homeless due to their addiction and choice uh, to be close to choice? I'm not sure what that means. Anyway, uh, Versus, I'm gonna, so I think I get the idea though, versus those who find themselves on the street through circumstances beyond their control. Do you differentiate between those two as you work uh, in your ministry? Uh, yeah, before I answer, I may, I may want to add a little bit to what uh, Jim sure. and Harris were saying in agreement Please. with them, piggybacking on that. We also can ask, uh, I'm going to use a, a phrase, uh, some, some, someone whom I don't remember off the top of my mind, Point. Holy discontent is that phrase. God puts in our hearts this, this discontent wherever we are. And we talk about it with our friends, right? We know something is going amiss there. And we discuss it. Uh, and we know something is wrong. So sometimes when God gives us the burden, it's for us to be a solution. Like, what exactly should be done? If we start thinking about that, uh, and uh, going back to what Joyce was saying, yes, it's a wonderful way to start with music and people who are interested with music, you know, it'd be natural. Uh, to answer to John, uh, as I started to get closer and uh, meet more and more people in this community, uh, I started to find out that even those things that we look at from afar, from distance, like someone being ad addicted to anything, be it drugs or otherwise, destructive behavior, uh, has its sources either in their childhood, something that transpired way back that, that took place in their lives. And it's a way of reacting. It could be uh, some sort of emotional abuse, physical abuse, uh, sexual abuse from childhood. And um, I do not necessarily differentiate between anyone based on their current behavior because I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I think the grace is sufficient for anyone out there. So, so the only difference that I make is I tend to see, even though I spend my time without you know, any judgment, I do tend to uh, notice some are more attentive, more open to, 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 to discussions and, uh, and whatnot. So I spend and invest more of my time with those who are responsive. But not so that's business. more the distinction. If there is a distinction, that's more the distinction, just who's open and who's not. Um, yes, because you yeah. can't, like, the, some 30, 60, 100-fold, you can tell right away as you come in contact with who's ready to respond yeah. and who's not. So you can't force it with people. Just you, the, as you go along, you'll find out through relationships. 
Okay. Now, if I'm right, Mike and Jim on this, uh, you know, one of the ways that Mike's connected through bridges into the presbytery is in such a way that if there were some churches that wanted to talk to Mike more about ministry to the homeless, for example, that, that there's, it would be okay for them uh, to kind of try to try to get in touch related to that. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Mike is starting a internship through bridges in the fall and he would also love to be, connected with a local congregation. So if yeah. there's a congregation that would love to partner with uh, Mike uh, beginning in September, we'd love to, to hear about that. Okay, excellent. And we'll get to, that's what, you know, we'll kind of wrap this up with talking about how people can move forward uh, with Bridges uh, in just a minute. But we do have one more question that I want to make sure we ask before we do that. This is from uh, Casey Way, a pastor in our presbytery. And he says, um, as leaders of color, uh, Mike and Harris, as leaders of color, what obstacles do you see right now in the way when you lead, when it comes to the call of making disciples uh, and your current ministry as followers of Jesus outside the walls of the local church? So any barriers that you see, uh, Casey's asking, as leaders of color uh, in particular? Anything ring a bell there? Should I go first or? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Whoever would like. Yeah, go for it. Harris, you want to take it? Um, You can have it first. I'll definitely follow up. Uh, Okay. Just to keep this brief. uh, Yes. uh, uh, People are wired in different ways, but something that I tend to regularly notice is if you reach out to people where they are and walk with them and, and not necessarily try to improve them, just be there, walk with them, be part of their lives. Uh, be like Harris is hanging out with friends, then better on them coming to church or me going out to reach or being in this community and not just, you know, speaking to it from afar. As you start walking with them, you t- even if there are walls at the start, which there will be with some, you will tend to notice that they evaporate as time goes by. Once people realize that you actually care for no particular reason, but because you just care, you know, this is something they're not, people are not used to, we are not used to. So our attitude in terms of working with people changes. And my expectation, I mean, until Christ returns, we live in a world that is, that is difficult to live in. It doesn't matter where you come from. It's more challenging for some than others. Yes. But at the same time, we live in a sinful world. So you have to accept that and, and work with it. And by the grace of God, things have been working out for me because because I realized that from, you know, in more than one ways, I am an outsider to them in many ways. So to be an insider, to be included, the effort should come from me. That's the way I approach it. So I don't take anything to heart, even though there are some challenges. Uh, thanks, Mike. That's good. Harris, what, what would you like yeah, to I add? I agree with that 100%, especially um, not taking anything to heart. I know Jim and I, we, um, <laughs> our first time meeting, we had a bit of a cultural difference um and our very first time meeting um of course we talked over the phone and everything but when we actually um met at his um his conference or his leadership conference or whatever i told him what i was doing first off i wanted to tell jim no from the very beginning because i had so much other stuff going on that day it was like um exams you know in school and i was already doing you know like another worship event you know at the church i attended and things like that but something just kept hurting 
and me god just kept saying you know you have to you have to you have to seriously god and i'm so glad i did but i remember when i was telling jim okay you know i'll be in lake hughes that night but you know i'll have to leave saturday morning you know for an event at church but i'll come back and when i got back jim's like you're back early and i was like no i'm here on time he goes well you know i figured you go to a black church you know things will last longer and i was like oh no jim well let me tell you <laughs> so, but no, honestly, it's like what Mike just said. It's about, you know, developing those relationships with people and not taking it to heart, you know, and things like that. You know, getting to actually know people because honestly, if Jim said that to me to Harris four years ago, <laughs> you know, it would have been different. But, you know, honestly, it's honestly all about getting to know people and actually building that relationship and don't take it to heart. And you summed it up great, Mike, seriously. seriously. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. cool. That really great stuff that you've both shared. Um, listen, we're, we're running low on time. Unfortunately, I, I feel like we could keep going for, for a good while here, but um, I just want to wrap it up with uh, how congregations can get involved with bridges and we've got a PDF that I'm screen sharing with you right now. The PDF is going to be part of what we send out to everybody that's attending this. And it'll also be up on the PSF strategy website along with a video, this, a video of this conversation. But uh, I just wanted to scroll through it real quick with Jim and Jim could kind of point out, I think it's at the third page. Is this the most important one for right now, Jim, to how bridges helps church members or is it a different page? No, right. This is good. How Bridges helps our church members. Remember, the first thing we want to help people with is discernment of who God has called them to love and serve. Yeah. You know, we're not called to do everything. And then we, we work on learning, befriending, and discipling. So there's a 12-step path. These are four of the steps out of the 12 that we just highlighted here. But there, we just want you to know there is a very definite kind of path that we go on. There's a set of questions that we help you answer. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for bridges to come along and tell you what to do, you're probably going to be disappointed. But we will take you along a, a set of questions to help you figure out what God's called you to do in life and how to do that without killing yourself with overactivity. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's really good. That's really good. Um, and, and so let me just uh, take us to, let me stop screen sharing here. The, the, um, and share again, the resources page. Again, this will be in the PDF that'll come to you uh, in a couple, a day or two. Um, but do you see that resources uh, slide there? We've got the PDF, there's the website, uh, Jim's cell number, which he was kind enough to let us have that to entrust his cell number to us. Um, and then there's the link to the Bridges video that we started with and the link to the Bridges brochure. So that's all going to be there. And so, uh, Jim, what would you say? I mean, should people just get in touch if there's something in particular they want to follow up with from this conversation? Or if they're saying, hey, I really think I'm on session and I think my church needs to build a deeper relationship with bridges. Should they just start by getting in touch? Is that the number one? Yeah. Thing? Give us a call. Visit the website for any three of us. Just give my cell phone number a call. I'd love to chat with you. Um, and all of the things that people put in the, where they itch. Um, I love the one about generations in the church. What the content that bridges is training us in is in 
how to move across cultural boundaries, how to, you know, there's, there's differences between all of us. And those differences can, can arise from race, they can arise from generational differences, they can arise from geographical differences, they can arise from just different blocks in our neighborhood. It's, they arise from church culture versus non-church cultures. Yeah. And there's a set of skills that missionaries have learned over the hundreds of years on how to get by those barriers, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so no matter what the barriers are that you're facing, the skills are the same. So feel free to call and, you know, whatever barriers you're facing, whatever differences you're trying to bridge, you know, it can be between two different worship services in the church. You know, it can yeah. be between young and old. Yeah. Um, be glad to chat with you. Awesome. Well, hey, and anything, uh, anything for you, uh, uh, Harris or Mike, any last words you'd like to share with us as we close? I mean, you've already given us a lot of great stuff, but just didn't want to close without giving you the opportunity. Matt, you good? All right. All right. If, if you guys are okay, then uh, want, want to just remind you again that on Thursday, uh, Mike Harbert's going to be leading a uh, roundtable discussion where we do Electio Divina and talk about the passage and share and pray with one another. And then next Monday, we'll be back on with another virtual meetup uh, as well. And, uh, and over the, again, next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about Cyclical as another organization, uh, ministry that has been birthed out of the Presbytery. And we'll be talking with Juan Sarmiento, our new EP. So look forward to seeing you all there. Again, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Harris. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate you giving us your time. And, uh, and the Lord is uh, going to continue to use this with us. So thanks for being here and being available. And thanks for everybody for uh, being a part of this webinar. And I uh, hope you all have a, uh, a healthy and a blessed uh, week. So we'll talk to you again later. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. As we wrap up this time together, I would like to express our gratitude on behalf of the team and the people of the San Fernando Presbytery. My prayer is that it might have been helpful to you. I would like to also invite you to comment, give us some feedback, and perhaps even like this podcast or share it uh, with uh, people that you know, so that we may be able to continue making it available to others. Thank you so much, and God bless you.